This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Welcome to Hour 2. Bottom of it, Ryan Callahan stops by a uh, tour around last night and this evening uh, around the National Hockey League. And amongst the stories that we'll cover here with uh, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada, uh, the report today from the Globe and Mail about London Police Services asking five players uh, to surrender in connection to the June 2018 assault on a woman um, involving the Canadian World Junior hockey team and the expression of interest for an expansion team, perhaps relocation too, um, by Ryan Smith, uh, owner of the Utah Jazz of the NBA. Elliot, how are you today? Uh, okay, Jeff, how are you doing? Uh, I'm okay. It's a, it's a, Listen, it's a difficult one. It's a heavy one. One of the things that I was mentioning off the top of today's show, it's a... Um, you know, it's a day where I think people can articulate anger and can express anger and frustration and rage at all the appropriate places that they see fit. Uh, just hoping that people somewhere as part of their day and as part of their thought about this entire situation with, you know, London Police Services now, you know, um, uh, asking five players to, to come in, you know, at least park some time to, t- to think about whether it's people in their orbit or others, you know, victims of sexual assault themselves. Uh, when you heard this story, when you heard this news, what were some of the first things that went through your mind? Oh boy! I mean, Jeff, there's there's a lot, really. I mean, first of all, that's well said uh, by you. I mean, uh, secondly, um, I I think that uh, look, I, I think this has been. I, I think what's the best way to say this? It's it's something that's been on everybody's mind now for a long time, and um, I think we've all kind of wondered uh, when there would be any kind of closure uh, one way or another or any kind of development one way or another. And, um, you know, all I can say is that every time you'd look into it, you'd be told publicly, well, we're continuing the investigations. And, you know, Bettman had said a couple of times, we're we're hoping that we're closer to the uh, end uh, than to the beginning or, or we're getting there. But one thing I can tell you is that privately, um, you know, the absence of any criminal charges were making this very difficult to close. Now, there were investigations. Hockey Canada did one. As we know now, they're in their appeals phase. And as I understand it, they are still involved in the appeal. So it's uh, like last night um, when the Carter Hart news broke, I think there were a lot of reporters trying to search and figure out what was going on and, um, you know, that was one piece of information that we heard was that it, you know, Hockey Canada wasn't close to releasing their investigation. Um, you know, it didn't sound like the NHL was close to re- releasing their investigation. And uh, the London police released the same statement to our staff last night that they released to everybody else that um, when we have something to say, we'll tell you. And But the, the one thing that was, was clear, uh, Jeff, behind the scenes was that the lack of... Um, any criminal charges was really making it difficult for everyone to rule and um, and to say, well, these are the penalties that might come. And now that we look like we have them or we're getting to them, I think we're going to get to a situation where we maybe have a bit more clarity on what could happen. But I would say this, I think, I think this is far from over. I think this is, um, a, 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 a big step in the process, obviously, but I don't think it's over. 
Uh, that that last uh, statement there, I, I think we all need to keep top of mind as well. This like, you know, you talked about, you know, where we are in this in, in this entire process. This is not, you know, the end of anything yet. It feels like it feels like the end of the beginning, Elliot, if that makes yeah. sense to you. Like that we're still very much in the beginning phase of all of this. And I, and I can't help but wondering, and again, like I understand that people are frustrated and have wondered why this has taken so long. And mm-hmm. a lot of people are angry. I understand all of it. I think you do as well. I think, you know, mm-hmm. and their rage has been articulated publicly, mostly on social media. And I understand it. I get it. I, mm-hmm. I, and at times I agree as well. Uh, do you think that part of the reason why uh, both the Hockey Canada reports or the NHL report have been so far withheld is there was a sense that releasing them could bias or taint the investigation? Do you think that could have been any uh, that is any part of Hockey Canada and the NHL not releasing their report, or is it strictly you know- litigious? Uh, I think it's more B than A, um, you know, Jeff. Um, I, I don't think it was, I, I don't think anybody was really, cons- I, I never got the sense that anybody was worried about corrupting an investigation or anything like that by releasing a report. Like that was, uh, that was never really articulated to me. Um, I, I think there was concern that if you released a report that said something that wasn't proven in a court of law, that there might be litigation. I do believe that to be true. Um, right. You know, and I, I mean, I, so I, I think, like I said, I, uh, I, I've been told many times, and I think I mentioned it in, our, in a report at the Board of Governors meeting in December, that um, the biggest challenge in terms of getting any kind of closure in this situation was, until that point, the lack of any criminal charges. Mm-hmm. And through this entire story so far, it's been, you know, listen, behind the scenes, it's been a lot of whispers and speculation and, you know, wondering and dart throwing, etc. Um, I believe you went to the Toronto Winnipeg skate this morning. I did. Elliot? Yeah, I did. Uh, what were the, what were like what was the, the the nature of some of the some of the conversations like is it the same as you know everyone just sort of you know wondering what's next or you know how this plays itself out like this is a big not just you know hockey conversation but societal conversation as well but what was the conversation like at the rink this morning? Well, I, I think that you know for the players they're not going to talk about this. Um, you know they're they're yeah. more you know they're more focused on their game tonight. There, and as you can see, like if you saw Daniel Briere this morning or if you see the statements yep. that are being released by some of the teams and uh, Lindy Ruff was asked about his two players today, McLeod and, and Foote, and, he, and if it was related to the report from the Globe. And, you know, he said, I don't know. So, I mean, you're not going to get a lot out of people, uh, on, especially on the record, uh, about this. Yep. Um, you know, but like... You know, I, I think that, you know, everybody realizes this is a, a seismic day and we'll see where it goes from here. Um, like I said, I don't think this is the last we've heard from this. Obviously, we're expecting charges. Um, you know, where do we go from there? I, you know, uh, will there be court cases? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think this is, I, you know, I, I really like the way you put it. This is the beginning the end of one phase and the beginning of another. I think that's what this really is. And it's a really, 
it's a sad, terrible story that nobody wishes there was it had ever happened. The end of the beginning. Uh, don't be too impressed. I stole it from Winston Churchill. Trying to make myself sound smarter than I actually am. Um, the one of the other big stories today, and again, like the, the biggest story is the one that is happening with the London police. I, I want to you know stress that um, there's only so far we can go with the story based on the information that we know, and that seems to be the end of the road right now. Um, the other big story around the NHL today is the Smith Entertainment Group. And you and I sat down last year on the podcast and talked to Ryan Smith, who's the owner of the Utah Jazz. And, you know, he was talking quite openly about his interests in acquiring an NHL team and bringing an NHL team uh, to Utah, uh, whether it's expansion, whether it's relocation. He just wanted a team. And now the uh, Smith Entertainment Group is officially asking the NHL to initiate an expansion process, quote, uh, to bring a, a team to the state. Now, the NHL themselves have responded uh, to this one, and this is the statement. Uh, the NHL appreciates the interest expressed by Smith Entertainment Group to bring NHL hockey to Utah. During conversations over the course of the past two years, we have been impressed by Ryan and Ashley Smith's commitment to their community and their passion and vision for Utah, not only as a hockey market, but as a preeminent sports and entertainment destination. Utah is a promising market and we look forward to continuing our discussion. Thoughts on the Smith Entertainment Group and the uh, not just expression of interest but desire for the NHL to initiate the expansion process. Not exactly a surprise considering the nature of the conversation we had with them about a year ago. Well, first of all, I think that for them, for Ryan Smith to go public like this, there has to be a nudge, nudge, wink, wink from the National Hockey League. Like, I just don't think you do this. Like, Mark Chipman, who's in Toronto today, actually, uh, he wrote the book on this. And that was, don't say a peep, keep quiet, follow the NHL rules, and things would happen when the NHL is ready. And so I, th- I don't think Ryan Smith is any different. I think when he did that interview with us last week, last year, um, it was with the tacit approval of the National Hockey League. And I think this happens with the tacit approval of the National Hockey League. I mean, um, so, and I've always believed since even before we spoke to him, he's getting a team. The league wants him in the yeah. NHL. He's a really smart guy. Utah is a really growing market. Um, you know, like it's one of the fastest growing markets in the States. Uh, they want him in. And so I think he'll get a team eventually. I thought the most interesting thing about the release was what the second, it was the end of the first paragraph where he talks not only about an expansion team, but he also talks about, um, he also talks about uh, just the fact that if, basically if you, need, if you need a space right now, the Delta Center will work until we build our new arena for the 2034 Olympics. And the timing yeah. of this, and I know people were very upset about it today, which is fine. Um, but the timing it. about it, it is, yeah, but the timing of it, like to me, that's a message to the Arizona Coyotes. And, you know, the NHL has basically said they need to know about Arizona All-Star break. Well, Jeff, we're a week and a half from the All-Star break. So, like, it, yeah. it's, it's impossible not to look at that and say, there's a reason for, the, for this to happen around this time. And so 
I think, number one, it opens up the expansion conversation around the NHL. And I think, number two, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a message to Arizona that if you don't find us something, we have an alternative. As soon as next season. Right, Elliot? Yep. See, to, to, to me, that is one of the more fascinating things here. That is, you know, a, a couple. The, the minute that someone comes out asking the NHL to open up the expansion process again, uh, a couple of things go through my mind. One, uh, does that mean we have to change the name of the podcast? And two, who else comes out of the woodwork? Right? It's, it's one thing for you, Todd. You and I have talked a lot about Ryan Smith. Talked to Ryan Smith as well. And um, we see that as almost a, almost a foregone conclusion that eventually, eventually, that's where the NHL is headed. Uh, but yep. when you start saying things like open the expansion process again, mm-hmm. you know, things happen. And I wonder, once again, like we did with Seattle, once we did with Vegas, you know, where Quebec City would fit into a mix like that. Would there be another bid from there if indeed the NHL does open up the expansion process? The, the, the fact that that is out there, like... Who like whose radar does that get on right away? Do you think? Well, first of all, I think they've been quietly, even though they keep telling us it's not on the uh, forefront. I believe it's something they've been quietly weighing for a bit of time sure. now. Yeah. So, like, I, like, like, basically, basically, I think th- this message, what it does, is it it gets out. Like, if you're serious, come to us now. We need to know who's out there. Um, you know, I mean, Atlanta has been rumored at times, um, you know, uh, uh, Houston has been rumored at times, Kansas city, of course, it's, this is about like what's out there. Um, tell us. And I think that's what this is. This is a formal, like before it's been kind of whispered. Yeah. You know, they do it if they, if they could. Now it's a, now Mm -hmm. it's a process. Now it's okay. We want to know who's serious. And uh, like, but like I said, I think that, that uh, there's also a message to the Coyotes here, but there's also a message saying, okay, if you're really interested in having an NHL team, come let us know. Mm-hmm. Really curious to see where this one heads. Uh, stay on top of the story. Um, so uh, at the Maple Leaf skate, at the Winnipeg Jets skate, you and I sat down with Rick Bonus yesterday, head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, and one of the things that I was really amused that you asked them was about the uh, the hatred between the Winnipeg Jets and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, we all understand the rivalry between the Minnesota Wild and the Winnipeg Jets, and we know yeah. how those players on both sides, uh, on both sides of the rink here really don't like each other. Um, and we know that if that continues, we'll have to build bigger rinks. Um, but your thoughts on this low-key rivalry between the Maple Leafs and the Winnipeg Jets? Well, I, you know, I, I think if you take a look at what's happened the last couple of years, like a lot of the particulars are gone, right? Um, Dubois is gone, yeah. Spence is gone, Wayne Simmons is gone. Um, but I still remember that video a couple of years ago. I know it made the Leafs mad. Oh, yeah. Uh, when they won that game, they're like, there's nothing better than beating Toronto. Like, basically articulating oh, yeah. every thought of a non-Torontonian that every Canadian has. I still laugh about that oh, yeah. video. Um, so it's a low-key hate rivalry, right? They don't play a lot mm-hmm. twice a year, and it's it's two in, in three days, basically, this time. But they really don't like each other. And there are no doubt players on Toronto who have not forgotten... Uh, that video, th- that video. So, I like with a lot of the real 
in front personalities of the rivalry gone. Maybe it seemed a little bit, but, uh, you know, the Jets are in a nor- – one thing we noticed this morning is, you know, they have, they, they're, they're on a bit of a down streak lately, although they won on Saturday in Ottawa. They haven't liked the way they've played. Yeah. They're in a little bit of an ornery mood. Although DeMello still said that um, as far as he's concerned, the empty netter doesn't count, which I love. Yeah. I thought that was really fun. Okay, if if the empty netter doesn't count, then why did they try to stop the Bruins from scoring it so hard? Like, Brad Marchand worked hard for that empty netter, Elliot. You know, I actually just said that. I, asked that about, I talked about that with Bonus last night. By the way, he said to me, I don't have to talk to me, uh, talk to you this morning because I talked to you last night. And I said that was fine <laughs> with me. But I was asking a couple of the players about it. And, um, like, they were basically yeah. saying it's an, it's an attitude. It's it's an attitude. It's because I said the same thing. Like it's three one. There's like a minute left. Ninety nine percent you're going to lose, and they fought hard to to prevent Boston from scoring the empty netter, which they eventually did. Like Demello said this morning that when Marchand first tries it, he fans on it, and you're like, maybe we're going to get away with this. But I think I, like to me that is an attitude is a lot of why they are where they are because they, they make life really difficult on people. Um, but they are in an ornery mood today. They're not happy with the way they've been playing lately. I'll tell you this, too. I heard yesterday was an optional skate for them, and Shifley was out there, and he took his time. Like, he oh, was yeah. out there for something like 75 minutes on an optional, working. Uh, that guy's got good habits, man. Well, he really does. Um, you know, it, it's curious when you have a situation like the Winnipeg Jets find themselves in right now and you look at some of the players that have been there for a long time and the Winnipeg Jets 2.0, Mark Shifley, Mark Shifley was their first pick. Like, I remember that draft specifically and everybody in Winnipeg thought that they were going to draft Sean Couturier. Everybody mm-hmm. going into that draft thought for sure Kevin Sheveldayoff was going up there and he was going to say the name Sean Couturier. Instead, he said Mark Shifley. And he became the first uh, draft pick in Winnipeg Jets v. 2.0 history. And I'm curious just your thoughts on, on Shifley himself from where he was when he was drafted out of the Barry Colts organization of the OHL to where he is now. Like, it's been a really interesting ride through the NHL for, for Mark Shifley. There were times where he, we thought, okay, he's going to be traded or he's going to free agency. He's going to be a Bruin. He's going to be a flyer. He's going somewhere else. He remains and signed the extension in the offseason. But I'm curious your thoughts from that day when he was drafted to where we see him now, you know, this morning, watching him on the ice, taking his time, great habits, great veteran, all of it, works with Adam Oates. What have you seen in Shifley in his career? Well, I I think that he's, you know, the one thing I see is a guy who's obviously very dedicated to the Jets. Um, There's been a lot of rumors about him moving and things like that. And when all is said and done, he's going to spend 15 years with them, right? More. Um, as, as long as he goes through, you know, his contract, he's committed to that anyway. Um, you know, but like, like the thing is, like, there have been a lot of twists and turns there, and um, he, and he's clearly dedicated to them. He's dedicated to himself. He works really hard on the game. We've all seen the stories and done the stories on what a hockey nerd he is. But the bottom line is, oh, yeah. he's played. He's played <laughs> hard and. You know, he's not their captain, but he's their number one center. And whether you like it or not, he sets a tone. And, uh, and, and he, 
what he does, other people notice. And he works hard on it. And I think that's the most important person, like the most important thing. You care about your craft. Are you committed to making yourself better at your craft? And Mark Scheifele clearly is. And other players notice that. Like, all the great players, like I like, like I watch LeBron James. Like I, I was, you know, I was. I'm always a Jordan guy. I don't think nothing is ever going to change me from being a Michael Jordan guy. But like watching him, like he's 20 years in, and he works at it, man. Like he does not cut corners, and mm-hmm. those are the people I admire the most. I, I really do. Uh, a couple of things from last night, and uh, tonight we'll see the St. Louis Blues again as the, they continue to tour Canada. Uh, tonight they'll face off against the Vancouver Canucks. Last night, absolute heartbreaker for the Calgary Flames. Brandon Saad, 48 seconds left. Uh, the wrist shot from 50 feet out, rings off the post and goes in past Jacob Markstrom. Ugh. You know, I can't help yeah, but thinking, you know, if the Calgary one. Flames don't make the... Pl- it was a real tough one, and much like I think, you know, of that Lawson Kraus goal, which Lawson Kraus never shot the puck. Latang fed it back to Malkin, and oh. unfortunately went in on the. Uh, like I'll, I'll look if the Penguins don't make the playoffs. I think we'll look at that play and say that's emblematic of the season, and that's the season right there. When I saw that go in, and just like everybody, like everybody just sag in the building, on the bench, on the ice, like everywhere, like. If the Flames don't make it into the playoffs, personally, I'll probably look back and say it was that Brandon Sod goal on January 23rd. Uh, that was, you know, maybe the, the final nail in the coffin. How did you see that game and that goal specifically at the end of it? Well, I mean, it's, it's just a terrible break. You know, everything was, you know, I'll be honest with you. I, when it was 3-1 Calgary, I actually changed the channel and started looking at something else. Um, you know, I thought, okay, this game's in hand, and what else is going on out there? And I actually, uh, at the time, I started watching more Oilers, Blue Jackets, and uh, Sabres, Docks, and, and Rangers, Sharks. And then, all of a sudden, I looked at my uh, my Twitter, and it was it was saying that they tied it up three three, and I was like, what the heck happened? Like, I I just I I, I thought. Everything was really good there, and you know, to be honest, Jeff, more than that, um, more than that goal, the the three two, the 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 four three goal. I think the one that really yep. cost Calgary was the shorthanded goal at the end of the second period. When I went back and looked at it, like Braden Shen short, scores that goal, and all of a sudden the Blues yep. have life. And you know, obviously three two in the third period, you got to close it. But that, to me, was the big momentum swinger in that game. Okay, you talked about basketball a second ago, and i got to throw this one in here, uh, just because I'm I'm still stunned watching it. Um, Did you catch the conclusion of San Jose and New York last night, the Rangers and the Sharks? The overtime? I saw the The game winner by Tomas Hurdle? And and i got to tell you, like, the Rangers, they have a beef on that one. They absolutely do have a beef on that one. Like, and I'll tell you this: I have, I'm, I, I have one big Leaf fan in my in my uh, circle, like massive, massive Leaf fan. And I yeah. woke up to a text this morning from him that simply said Tavares, and I knew what he was saying even before I looked at anything. 
and he's talking about the playoff goal against the Lightning that got wiped out a couple of years ago on the, the Justin Hall yes. pick. Yes. Like, like to me, yep. that was as if David Quinn was coaching, uh, since it's San Jose, we'll say the Golden State Warriors, and was setting yeah. uh, a game-ending three-pointer for <laughs> Steph Curry. Like, oh, like yeah. hey, it look, was... look, like... I'm okay with the Sharks. If you're 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 not if you're if you're not cheating, you're not trying. But Pierre Laviolette, he he's really tough on refs. Like he has one of the toughest um, reputations on referees in the league. And I cannot believe he didn't just self combust in that moment. Yeah. I'm well. It's it's interesting because you know I was making the the joke on Twitter. Like I'm I'm watching Jan Ruda. He should be wearing shorts and a tank top. There's like the there's there's three picks on the play before Hurdle scores. Uh, folks, if you want to have a look at it, I, I retweeted it this morning. You can have a look at this play. Rangers have to be totally hot about this one. It's the it's the the closing sequence of the game. It's overtime, three on three. The first pick I can kind of look at and go eh. Maybe just a coincidental uh, a collision between Ruda and Mika Zibanejad. Like, okay, that one's close enough that you can say, ah, eh, maybe it wasn't deliberate. But then the pick on Lafreniere, and then the second pick on Zibanejad. Like, I'm expecting to see him cross his arms like before he's before he's making these picks, and he's going directly at guys. Again, I'm with you. If you're getting away with it, go for it. I was making the yeah. point earlier. The masters, the masters of what you're talking about, Elliot, was that Datsuk Zetterberg Lidstrom Wings team who were yeah. brilliant at it. Like they weren't, mm-hmm. they weren't obvious about it. Like they didn't stand right in front, but they were the masters. You saw it, Elliot. Just shading guys, just casually shading, and just a little bit slowing down the other team. Like you know what we always talk about the wings and say like, you know Zetterberg's not a burner. Like none of these guys are burners, but they just slow the game down. And you watch it, and you're like, they're just slowing down the other team just by shading. Like, they were so brilliant at that aspect of the game. I got no problem with that. But yeah. yesterday, man, oof, <laughs> bravo to Jan Ruda if you can get away with it. Holy smokes, Golden State Warriors, San Jose Sharks, take your pick. That was basketball, not hockey. You know, I'll tell you, that was the other one, too, and you briefly mentioned it, was the Pittsburgh-Arizona one from the other night. Like, the one thing it took me a yeah. second was figuring out how – it was a power play goal. I forgot Arizona was on the man advantage when it happened. And yeah. uh, yep. that was that was just like, hey, mistakes happen. We've all seen you know, goals get shot into your own net from time to time. That might have been the weirdest one I've ever seen. Because Malkin's like, he's right well, you there. Know that- like, he's just right there. It's you know what I look at that one as I look at the uh, Patrick Stefan Edmonton Dallas <laughs> flub yeah. from however many years ago as well where you're just looking at you going like how did that how did that just happen the interesting thing about that one is um, the PWHL has the jailbreak rule so if you score shorthanded the player gets released uh, we've talked about this one before the question becomes on a delayed penalty if that happens in the PWHL does it wipe out the power play for that team. Now, I don't know if they've come up with an answer for that yet. I'm almost positive that they're discussing it, but it's another sort of, you know, you always talk about, you know, unforeseen circumstances that happen when you create a rule. So when you have this rule now, as they do in the PWHL, what do you do if someone scores on their own net on a delayed penalty? Again, well, I'm sure no one, one thought thing of it, I really but there like it was, and they got a scramble. 
Yeah, the one thing I really like is that uh, they are really leaning into uh, different ideas. I think that's one of the smartest things yes. that they can do is is why not try some things that are a little bit different. Like I love the, I mean I love the whole thing about a shorthanded goal ending a power play. I I've I watched it. I, I liked it in theory. I've seen it in their games, and now after seeing it, I like it in practice. And uh, yeah. you know, I I really. Uh, I really enjoy watching it, and I think that's a really smart thing the league can do. Is and you don't want to turn your 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 league into a total laboratory. Like you've got to have some semblance of order, I think. Yeah. But there's uh, there's nothing wrong with doing one or two different things. I think it's really smart. I, you know what's interesting? I'm glad you brought that up because for the longest time, that's what the American Hockey League did. Like yeah. as much as you wanted to make sure, to your point, that it didn't interfere with the game or you, like your point, like you don't want to turn it just into a science lab. Like here comes another experiment uh, on, you know, that we're going to see if the, we can graduate to the NHL, but whether it was, you know, the shootout, whether it was mandatory visors, like all these things, like they all started at the American league level. And now, you know, the American league isn't leading in that area anymore. And it seems as if all the new ideas are being tried with the PWHL. And I think yeah. that's a really good one. And, I'm I'm happy to do that that jailbreak goal, obviously. Um, okay, uh, big day, heavy day, lots of news stories to follow, uh, and we know you're on top of it. Thanks as always, Fridge. We'll uh, we'll chat with you now on Friday, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff.